intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you hey hey it's chris harris safety dog here Another of the Dog on It Trucking Podcasts. My guest this week, I am excited to have Mr. Jim Park. Let's bring Jim in and say hi. Good day, Jim. How are you? Good day, Jim. Um, no, no, I was supposed to say good day, Chris, right? You told me to say good day, Jim, so I did. I just well, following orders. Hi, Chris. <laughs> good to see you, man. Perfect. Hey, Jim, how are you? Excellent. Uh Another day older and deeper in debt, you know, just living the dream, as they say. Hey, I, I hear Did you. Did I get all the cliches in there? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Did I get all the cliches in there? Yeah, just about. Uh, for our listeners and, and viewers, Jim, can you give us a bit of a background? Because I know where I first met you. Um, it was about 97. Or Sorry, I didn't meet you. I heard you back in 97, but you started in trucking long before that, I believe. Well, yeah. Uh, I started driving in 78. Um, I was working for Pioneer Pools, actually. You're probably familiar with them in Oakville. Yeah. I was a, yeah. a helper on a delivery truck, basically slugging pools all summer long. And then one trip, the driver broke his arm and couldn't, he fell off the truck. Couldn't get back, so I drove the truck back. It was a, an old GMC gas job with an Allison automatic transmission. Uh, great long deck, 26-foot deck, but uh, I drove it back and didn't break anything, and the boss said, well, can you go it again tomorrow with it? And I said, well, I don't have a license for it yet. He says, don't worry about it. You know, back in those days, it didn't really matter. It was kind of optional. So uh, I worked for uh, the rest of the summer, I guess, maybe five weeks on the truck. And then went back to college that summer, that fall. Uh, coming up on the next summer, I decided to go out and get my Class D and, and, you know, try to make a living as a student driving a truck. Anyway, that turned into, uh, I got bored with school and decided to take up trucking instead. So I started working for a bunch of delivery services, driver services around the city of Toronto. And I spent a year or so doing that. Then I wound up at Lumsden Brothers, a grocery distribution outfit in Burlington. Uh, I went to work there because they actually had our model Max straight trucks at the time. And when I was working for those driver services, I was driving old Dodges and GMCs and international Lodestars and, oh, my God, just a <laughs> litany of junk, you know, which is what you always get when you're the low guy in the totem pole in driver service. Well, you drive that one. Well, it's got no doors. Don't worry about it. Tighten the seatbelt up. <laughs> That's the way it was back then, right? So anyway, I went over to Lumsden's and they hired me, surprise, surprise. And uh, a year later, I got my Class A license there. Uh, I'm probably not the, uh, you know, the model example of mandatory entry-level training because I learned how to drive tractor trailers uh, over, I guess, eight successive Fridays. I'd get my hours in by Thursday. I said to the boss, can I go out and ride with the tractor trailer guys on Friday? And they said, sure. Uh, so they didn't mind having me. They could sleep all day. I did all the work, all the driving, and they just said, park, be careful. You know, don't break anything. Don't knock that over. Don't go so fast. Anyway, that was my, my entry-level training. But I got my license on the first try, and uh, 
Within a year, I was working for liquid cargo lines uh, on tanks. How I made that jump, I'm, I'm not sure, but I really spent pretty much the rest of my driving career on tanks right up until, uh, was it 97, I guess I gave it up, 98? Yeah, somewhere in there. I was working for air products in the end, uh, but that was my last uh, my last paid gig as a driver. Yeah, but I heard you on the radio is where I first got uh, you did. the Jim Park name. <laughs> that was an interesting story. I... Uh, I was I was uh, one of the fir- well the first team of Ontario Trucking Association Road Nights in ninety five ninety six, and that sort of attracted a bit of media attention. And uh, Brenda Yarrow, who you may recall, was the editor of Truck News at the time, uh, went off on her own and started uh, a little magazine called RPM Canada. It was a recruiting magazine, and uh, somehow. She figured out that I could write or had, you know, put a sentence together. And she asked me if I'd write an article or something for, for RPM. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll try it. And then she said, well, that was pretty good. Can you write another one? So that turned into a sort of part-time gig that I could supplement my income. and didn't need to. I was making pretty good money at Air Products. Uh, but, you know, cranking out a couple of stories a month for her. And uh, I started getting the this notion in my head that, you know, maybe there was a career beyond driving. And if I really uh, apply myself and and learn grammar and how to type and all these things that writers need to be able to do, maybe I could get out of the truck and start, you know, writing full time. And she was amenable to the idea, but she couldn't pay me enough to, uh, you know, just stop driving one day and start writing the next. So Air Products was kind enough to let me scale down from, Two day or four days a week to th- uh, to two, so basically going from sixty to about thirty hours or so, give or take. Uh, that was enough with what Brenda was paying me to write. And one night, uh, I was working for Air Products and driving around Southern Ontario, and I tended not to listen to uh, AM radio at the time. I'm not sure why I did, but anyway, I happened to tune in eight twenty Cham one night, the country station that was in Hamilton. Uh, it's a comedy station now, I think. Anyway, uh, lo and behold, they had this thing called the All Night Road Show for truckers. And they had, you know, trucking recruiting ads and all that stuff and country music. Uh, but there was absolutely no trucking content. The the, the, the DJ who was doing it, uh, John Marshall, great guy and a, a professional radio guy to the end. He's working up in uh, Walkerton now, I think, on a bluegrass station. Uh, he didn't know anything about trucking, so he really couldn't bring a lot of trucking content to the show. So I, I don't know why. I phoned the station, and I said to the station manager, a fellow named Chris, I said, you know, you've got this show, this great show for truck drivers, the all-night road show. You've even got a good name. I said, but you haven't got any trucking content. You know, how can we bring this up a little bit and try and make it more trucky? And he says, well, what do you know about trucking? I said, well, you know, quite a bit. I've been doing it for a bunch of years, blah, blah, blah. He says, do you know anything about radio? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. When I was in high school, I used to run the high school radio station, which is really just a big stereo that we put speakers all over the cafeteria and played loud music at lunch hour. Anyway, he said, well, come on in tomorrow night at midnight, and uh, I'll introduce you to John, and you can give it a shot. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) And, you know, it was interesting. You talk about timing. Uh, That was just about the time there was a bunch of protests going on. And uh, drivers were blocking the, the uh, Quebec-Ontario border. 
and there was a big fracas, and, you know, it was in the news, and people were getting all excited. And uh, we're on the air this one night. I guess it was the second night I was in there with John, and uh, we heard on the news that this protest was going on, or somebody called in, I guess, and said, you know, hey, why don't you talk about the protest going on down at the border? So I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll phone the truck stop. So I called Rial's. They were still open at the time. And I got the manager, and I said, you know, we're on the radio here in Hamilton, blah, blah, blah. Can you tell me what's going on? So I had this, like, 30-minute radio thing happening. And John Marshall, the, the disc jockey, was just, how do you do that? How do you know all these people? What do you know? Meanwhile, the station manager was listening at home, blew him away. He says, well, you got a job. You're hired. <laughs> so I ended up doing uh, weekends, and John kept the Monday to Friday shift. Uh, John eventually moved to afternoons, and uh, I picked up the night shift for a while. So as I was ramping down air products, ramping up the writing with Brenda, uh, and I had the radio in the middle, which kind of did, you know, supplemented the income nicely, and I was doing all right. And then along came Highway Star in 99, July of 99. And they said, well, you know, we don't want anything to do with radio, so you'll have to kind of make a career decision here. Do you want to come work for Highway Star, or do you want to be on the radio? Uh Pretty easy decision to make, you know. Radio's fun. I love it. It's just a great way to, you know, spend a few hours, but the pay's terrible. And if the station manager decides they don't like you or they change formats like Cham did, they're, you know, all recorded comedy now, uh, I'd probably be working in uh, Regina or Saskatoon somewhere, which wouldn't be so bad. But uh, I would probably not be uh, loving it as much as I'm loving the writing. Well, okay, so... <laughs> that was a long story. Sorry about that. Well, no, that was... Using up all your time here. <laughs> That's awesome because, as I say, the first time I ever heard of you was on Cham, and I don't even know how, because, you know, as much as I drove truck, I never listened to truck driver radio stations or anything, but somehow I found you on Cham. I remember that, and then mm -hmm. I think probably the first time we ever talked to each other, I, I imagine, was at the Fergus Truck Show. Um, where highway, sure it was, yeah. highway, highway star was there. Um, old Republic would be there or TNT. If I was with TNT, I probably met you through that, you know, like, but it was when you were working for highway stars, when I first actually shook your hand. Well, I think you were handing out free copies of the Rand McNally truckers road Atlas. Probably. probably. I'm always one for swag. So somebody said, <laughs> Oh yeah, they got them over there at old Republic. So. I wandered down and grabbed one, and there you were. I think that was the first time we met. Yeah, it probably was, and that's that's a lot of years ago because that's my first year with the Old Republic was 2001. Well, you didn't look like Santa Claus back then. Uh, no, I probably had hair. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we all did. That was a long time ago. But see, that's really interesting, though, that you you're started off as a truck driver. You became... Um, a writer, a radio DJ, then you got working for Highway Star full-time, and now you have your own podcast. Yeah. Actually, I was doing podcasting when I was with Highway Star. This was back before podcasting was cool. I had a podcast called uh, Truck Talk back in, I'm thinking, two, 2006, 2007, and we did probably 40 episodes, and advertisers weren't knocking on the door so highway star decided to cancel it but uh yeah that was my first kick at the cat and uh we started this new one now it's with heavy duty trucking 
of the U.S. publication, and the podcast is called HDT Talks Trucking. And you can find it on, uh, you know, the usual podcast uh, hosting channels like Stitcher and Apple and Spotify. Or you can go to the website, uh, truckinginfo.com, and there's a podcast banner up at the top of the page. The only problem with that is they've, for some crazy reason, stacked the podcast in reverse. So when you first go to the page, click on podcast, the first podcast that we ever did comes up first rather than the newest one. So if you want to hear the latest podcast, you have to go all the way to the bottom of the list. Uh, there's about 40-some podcasts there now, but I uh, posted the most recent one this morning. It was an interview with Ben Nyland. He's the uh, president and CEO of Loop Energy. They're a hydrogen fuel cell engine company based in Burnaby, British Columbia, and they're one of the they're going to be one of the uh, I think serious players in North America for hydrogen fuel cell trucks. They're already big in Europe and and Asia, China, and uh, they've got a pilot project underway here now in uh, in uh, the, in the ports at Los Angeles and Long Beach, uh, a, sort of a venture with Peterbilt. They've taken that E three E five seventy nine and built it into a range extender model. So the hydrogen fuel cell actually powers the battery, which powers the truck. Anyway, long story short, uh, you can catch that podcast on uh, truckinginfo.com or Apple Podcasts. It's called HDT Talks Trucking. Thanks for the the plug. Well, um, and I'll make sure that there's a link in the show notes below so that the people don't have to stretch too far. You know, let's let's make it easy. But that brings us to our topic (laughs) today. you know, when we're shooting emails back and forth, it's what's of interest to you. And we've got a lot of similar interests. I just picked up a Tesla um, less than two weeks ago. So I'm now driving a Tesla and it's the autonomous features in the base model are mind blowing to me moving from the car that I have. How do you think these new technologies that are coming out, autonomous driving especially, how are they going to be rolled into uh, heavy trucks? Well, I'll tell you, I, I've got some concerns about uh, what they call level two autonomy, which is what the Tesla is. It's supposedly driver assistance technology, right? You're not supposed to go to sleep in your Tesla. That's correct. Uh, That's correct. People do. <laughs> people do all kinds of crazy things in Teslas. Uh, but now there's a couple of truck manufacturers, Daimler in particular, who's come out with uh, a level two system. It, they call it Detroit Assurance 5.0. And it does have level two autonomy to some degree where you can take your hands off the wheel for 30 seconds or so. Everybody knows the hack on how to let go of the wheel and leave it. I mean, that, that's no secret. So I'm worried, and it's going to happen, that some driver will go, oh, well, this is like pretty close to autonomous. I can get out of the seat and go back to the fridge and put a sandwich in the microwave or brew a pot of coffee and then come back and sit down again. Uh, that's probably not a really good idea because the technology is really not up to the level four capability that it needs to be. But because the technology is there, drivers will experiment with it and it will probably not end well, at least once or twice. Yeah. As I say, I, I, my car is just not even two weeks old. And this morning when I was driving and coming home from a customer out near Brantford, actually, going around a curve, there was a tractor trailer coming at me 
it was a bend to my left. And all of a sudden the car hit the brakes because it thought the tractor trailer was coming at me. Coming, at coming me. right at you. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Surprise. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I was wide awake uh, before that incident. I certainly was wide awake afterwards because I'm worried about <laughs> no the guy. Doubt. Well, really, I was worried about the car behind me. What were they going to do? Because this car was braking for no apparent reason. Yeah. And so, I mean, the technology is really cool and it's happening and it's here, but it's far from perfect. Well, when I... <laughs> When Daimler first premiered this technology, they had an event down in uh, Miami or Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, wherever Trump lives. Uh, and they had four or five of these trucks set up and a bunch of journalists could go out and drive them. Of course, I've still got my CDL, so I you know, took the wheel. And the particular truck I have wasn't behaving properly, and it, it kept pulling to the right. Now, if I was holding the wheel, that was fine. Everything was working as it should. But if I let go of the wheel which was what this technology was supposed to be able to do, the truck would move to the left all the time. And the guy in the truck, the Daimler guy on board, he couldn't figure out why. And I was there with video cameras and making a video that we do at Today's Trucking and, uh, you know, writing a test drive story. And Daimler said, you know, we'd really be happy if you didn't write this story. <laughs> I said, well, I understand, you know, it's a test truck. It's an engineering, you know, pre-production model, yada, yada. So uh, I understand things sometimes don't work. So let's uh, redo the event. We'll we'll schedule another test drive. So they did. We flew me out to Portland and uh, we took off down Interstate 5 with one of the engineers. And it worked much better uh, on that uh, escapade. But the... We found that the steering wasn't able to always maintain the arc of the curve. Now, Interstate 5 in the Portland area has got the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit, and some of the curves are a little bit tight, not unnervingly tight, but a little bit too tight for, uh, you know, what Daimler had programmed into it. And uh, on several occasions, the, the system simply disengaged midway through the curve, which is a little unnerving. Uh, and you know, the exact example I gave earlier about the guy in the, going back to the microwave to warm up his lunch, if that was happening while the truck decided to, uh, hand the control back to the driver, you know, things wouldn't end well, the bad outcome, but it's, you know, now we're, now we're messing around with full level four autonomy, um, with no drivers. That's still at least 10 years out realistically uh but still i mean the technology is there it's working uh trucks are logging thousands of miles every day uh with safety drivers sitting in the seat who are basically there to make sure the truck doesn't do anything stupid and as a last line of defense against some sort of failure uh but certainly it's it's working well enough and that i would expect that they've got those tight radius curve challenges sorted out but there's probably millions of other challenges they've yet to work out, uh, like the Tesla example you gave with the tractor trailer coming at you on a two-lane road. Yeah. yeah. Sensor saw it approaching at a high rate of speed and thought, hmm, this doesn't add up. Let's bail. Well, it, it's, it's a really neat driving experience. But for a tractor trailer, of course, any mistakes are that much more 
dramatic because of the size mm -hmm. of the weight. Yep. It's just interesting. I wonder how, and, you know, speaking to that, uh, I saw last week, two weeks ago, Freightliner, I believe it was, signed a deal with Waymo, one of the yep. other autonomous uh, providers, and there's Locomotion or Locomotive. Is Locomation. Another, sorry? Locomation. Locomation. Uh, yeah. And there's other providers besides, and so that's two others besides Tesla, and I know there's more that I don't know about. Who else is out there in the autonomous driving space that you can think of? Well, I may miss a name or two, but there are 10 that I count now. Okay. Uh, okay. That are significant enough players. We have, uh, like I said, I'm going to miss a couple. Uh, uh, Too Simple, Waymo, yeah. Plus AI. Um, no, Starsky's gone. They went out. Uh, hey, is that you know, when you get old, your hair falls out and so does your memory. Uh, but you got a full forgive head. Forgive me for the. <laughs> well, not when you see up on top of you. I don't, it's a little <laughs> bit light up there. Uh, anyway, there's nine or ten of them out there now, and probably several more waiting in the wings. Investors just can't throw money at this technology fast enough. So that concerns me. And the DOT's really not putting any checks and balances in place. Um, if you want to go out to your car or your truck and bolt on a bunch of cameras and some steering control systems and call yourself a, a robotic truck startup, have at her. You can do it. There's no restriction. Interesting. And yet the FMCSA, again, just recently asked for comments on autonomous driving. Yep. yep. So they're, they too are looking at it. Uh, I'm quite excited about it, although I really hope and I believe that we're going to have drivers behind the steering wheel for, God, a long, long time. Uh, you know, I'm thinking 20 years, at least I'm hoping 20 years, not that I'll be driving then, but you know what I mean, <laughs> uh, for these young people, because driving was always a good job for me. Do you have an opinion about how long a driver might still be required behind the wheel? For a long, long time yet. Uh it's not going to be a, a all or nothing deal with autonomous driving. The autonomous trucks eventually will go driverless. Uh, I figure the horizon on that is it'll it'll be fairly common within ten years, probably seven to eight before we start seeing it in significant quantities. Uh, but even in ten years, the companies that are going to be doing it are the big long haul giants. You know, the Amazons, the UPSs, uh, J.B. Hunt, Schneiders, and they'll be running specific lanes around the country. You know, the West Coast, uh, U.S. Southwest, L.A. to Texas, uh, probably eventually working their way a little bit further east. But it'll be along that I-10, I-20 corridor for the foreseeable future. And it's going to be drive-in distribution center to distribution center. They're not going to be driving up people's driveways and backing down alleyways to deliver freight, you know, that's still going to be in the hands of drivers. So if you think of it in terms of intermodal, for every intermodal trailer that moves back and forth across the country on a train, there's a driver at either end, you know, picking up and delivering. Plus we've got the livestock, the tanker business, the flatbed side, uh, refrigerated, anything specialized where you 
maybe picking up at a customer and delivering direct door to door to another customer. The, the autonomous trucks won't be doing that at least for probably 20 years. So anybody who's got designs on a driving career today is going to be, I think, gainfully employed at least up until 2030, probably 2040 and 2050. Uh, there may not be as many jobs. Uh, I mean, any number of things can happen between now and then. Uh, but if you really, if you look at the challenges that we're having now, hiring drivers, the the, the, the biggest challenge is in the long haul sector, especially in the U.S. Uh, you know, Canadians, I think we're more used to that, uh, you know, three day out, four day out routine which is manageable. You, you know, leave out Sunday night and you come back uh, Friday afternoon, home for the weekend, back out again, those sorts of things. Or, uh, you know, a triangle, you know, Toronto, East Coast, uh, back to Toronto. You're home maybe twice a week or once a week. That's manageable. Yeah. In the U.S., those poor devils spend weeks out on the road. And those are the jobs that they're having a hard time seating. So if a lot of that freight can be diverted to an autonomous truck. I don't think it's going to make a big difference to the uh, the driver population and to the number of jobs that are still available to drivers. Uh, those are the jobs that uh, drivers don't want anyway. Well, that and I, I just really believe that the amount of freight as we continue to grow and grow is just going to keep going up. So it might reduce the amount of drivers required to move that freight but mm-hmm. there's still going to be just a ton of driving jobs and it's still going to be a, a great career for a long time yet. You know, I believe it will. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look at us two old farts. Um, we're, <laughs> I mean, somehow we're still in trucking, even though I don't drive a truck. I haven't driven one now for, I guess only a year. I drove a truck around the block about a year ago, but, uh, you know, I too have my CDL or my class A still in my license or in my pocket, but being 65, I got to go start going for an annual medical now. So I'm not sure for how much longer am I going to have my AZ in my pocket. Indeed. Yeah. You know, well, I'll be 62 in December. So I got maybe three years left before I have to start thinking seriously about it. I haven't turned a revenue mile. And actually, a couple of summers ago, I worked for a friend of mine you know, for a couple of weeks over the summer while he was taking some vacation, jumped in his truck and went back and forth between Toronto and Montreal a few times. Uh, but the only driving I do now are on these test drives that I do for the magazine, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. I obviously get to drive all this fancy new stuff, but uh, it's only for a few hours at a time, usually under relatively controlled conditions, and I don't have to deal with shippers and DOT and all the other fun stuff. <laughs> and And the name of that magazine again is? Heavy-duty trucking. HD And today's trucking as well. I mean, I, I work in, uh, on both sides of the border, two magazines. I've scaled back a little bit on today's trucking, but uh, you can still find me between those pages and on that website as well. Right. So uh, that's autonomous trucking. What about um, fuel? What are you hearing about uh, uh, diesel fuel? Is it going to be around? Uh, you know, I hear people saying it's gone tomorrow. Well, if you listen to the activists, yeah, it would be gone tomorrow. Um, It's not realistic and it's not going to happen. And to me, that poses a real challenge because, uh, you know, you talk to people, your neighbors, your friends who don't understand trucking. 
when they hear the environment minister or someone stand up and say, yeah, we're going to make diesel go away in 20 years, it ain't going to happen, but it sets up false expectations. Why do you tell people that? Um, battery technology is not going to develop to the point where you can run trucks, you know, any more than three or 400 miles at a time, maybe five, but even that's a stretch. And then it's going to take 24 hours to charge them up or 10 hours to charge them up. So there's really not much of a future, I don't think, for long-haul electric trucks. Um, there is a future for alternative fuel technologies like hydrogen fuel cells who can run, uh, you know, a thousand miles on a single hydrogen fill-up, which incidentally takes about 20 minutes, which is not much longer than it takes to fill up a truck, really, a diesel truck. Uh, there's all kinds of challenges with hydrogen, uh, you know, fueling infrastructure, cost of the stuff, the cost of the trucks, it's uh, dramatically higher than a diesel truck costs. But if, you know, we keep moving in that direction where we're trying to, if not completely eliminate, which that isn't likely or realistic, but reduce the amount of diesel trucks that are out there, you know, creating the, uh, you know, the greenhouse gases that we're all trying so hard to, you know, to eliminate or reduce. You take a hundred diesel trucks off the road and replace them with a hundred renewable natural gas powered trucks or hydrogen powered trucks. That's a step in the right direction. Um, but diesel is not going away anytime soon. Uh, experts are saying 20, 50 years still left in diesel fuel. So, um, well, I don't, uh, but you know what? My experience so far with electric trucks, uh, and we're talking an electric powertrain, never mind how you create the electricity, whether it's hydrogen or natural gas or um, battery. Electric trucks are a dream to drive. Torque? Oh, my God. They, you know, Tesla talks about uh, 0 to 60 in five seconds. Well, you won't be able to keep tires on a truck like that. They're going to have to dial a torque down a bit. But uh, yeah, performance, it's amazing. And, of course, it's completely quiet. There's no vibration. Um, what does happen, of course, is you can hear all the rattles and squeaks in the cab that you otherwise couldn't hear with the diesel roaring away down there. Uh, but driving a, an electric truck is it's a fantastic experience. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's um, the Tesla that I've got is the quickest thing I've ever driven. And, I mean, it makes it a lot of fun, although part of the reason I bought it was to be a little more environmentally friendly. And here I am booting it and using more electricity, uh, which is, I mean, here in southern Ontario, of course, my electricity comes from Niagara Falls. But not all electricity is all that green. Um, That's right. Still a lot. It's still not great for the environment, no matter what we do. But at any rate, you know, Jim, just to be sorry, did you have something you wanted to contribute there? I was going to say, have you found the uh, ludicrous power setting on the Tesla yet? I didn't go that far. Okay, that costs. Okay. (laughs) No, I I bought. There is actually one called ludicrous. Yep, it's on the uh, Model S, and I think you can get it on the Model X, but I didn't go that high. Uh, Okay. um, I went into, uh, it's called the Model Y, so the Model 3 is the small little one. The Model Y is just a little bit bigger than that. Okay. uh, It's interesting. Um, You know, I won't get into it now, but 
uh, off air, I'll tell you about the tax credit for us Canadians for purchasing electric vehicles from the federal government. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get into that, but it's interesting. If any of our listeners okay. are interested, send me a quick email. It has to be a corporate purchase. So, but anyways, the uh, what else did you want to cover? Because we're here about 30 minutes in already. Um, yep. What else did you want to say? Well, I'm, you know, talking about this future technology and autonomous trucks and everything else, uh, people ask me a lot, you know, is, does, does driving, is there a future to becoming a driver? Driving schools are asking the question. Yep. You know, yep. how long am I going to be in business? If there's no more need for drivers and no more drivers to train, I might as well put up my tent and go home. Um, but the more we hear about this autonomous technology, again, uh, from uninformed commentators who believe that this is around the corner, uh, people who are maybe considering becoming a driver today hear that kind of a commentary saying, oh, well, autonomous trucks are taking over next year. Why would I bother going to, you know, train to be a truck driver? All I can say is don't worry about it. If you want to be a driver, and I know you're a rare bunch. Uh, please don't go away. We need you. Uh, go to school, uh, learn properly, take a good training course, and uh, you've got a good future ahead of you. Yeah, and I mean, quite honestly, the technology is going to impact a lot more than just trucking. There's AI that's coming around the corner. There's all kinds of robo- applications for robotics coming that are just around the corner, just as autonomous vehicles are. When I say just around the corner, I really mean 20 to 30 years down. Yep. Who can project the way the world is changing, what career to choose today, other than one that you're going to enjoy? Yeah, if you don't enjoy what you do, um, you you know, you've got that much behind you or in front of you right from the beginning. But, you know, there's even artificial intelligence that's writing now, creating magazine articles and letters, formulating stories the way a writer would. Yeah. I've, I can tell when I read one that it's uh, created artificially, but you know, is there any guarantee that we're going to need writers? Certainly philosophers and thinkers and those sorts of people. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, you go to the store, you buy a fridge now, it's got a barcode reader in it, take out a quart of milk, pour yourself a glass of milk, and the next day a truck shows up at your door because the barcode reader determined that you were out of milk and automatically ordered you a new one. You don't even have to go to Avondale anymore. Yeah, you know, The truck shows up with it. So I don't know, we're all going to get pretty fat and lazy, I think, unless we have to keep on uh, looking after ourselves. Yeah, and that's the truth. So Jim, just to wrap this up, where can people find out more about you? What What are the magazines you're writing for again? Uh, Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine. They're based in California. Uh, Today's Trucking, which, of course, is based in Toronto. And uh, I'm still involved with the owner-operator business association to some degree, OBAC. So you can find me at truckinginfo.com, uh, todaystrucking.com or trucknews.com, as well as uh, obac.ca. And I pop up every now and then in some other little ventures. Who knows where? Anybody will pay me. I'm a freelancer. So, I mean, anybody wants to pay me to do some work for them, um, get in touch with me and we'll see what we can do. There you go. And, of course, uh, the name of your podcast? 
It's called, the podcast is called HDT Talks Trucking. And we've got a link to that in the show notes below. Mr. Park. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. I very much appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, With that, Jim, I'd like to say thanks for coming on the show. I really do appreciate your time. All right, Chris, and I hope to see you again soon. Take care, my friend. I hope you loved the show as much as I did. Please leave us a like, a thumbs up, a review, a comment, a rating if it is in your heart. Thank you so much. And I do really appreciate your time. And join us again next week for another exciting interview.